a dialogue with God, a conversation with God. I said to you last week as we introduced this series uh, that this is one of those candid, transparent, can't fake it series in which if the truth be told, there are questions that we sometimes have of God. Times, and quite honestly, I will confess that we don't always understand what God is up to. And I said to the congregation this morning at 8, if we are honest with ourselves, and I can be truthful and tell you, there have been times in my life in which I was angry with God. In fact, I was upset. Didn't understand. Wanted to know what's up, Lord, why. Any witnesses? I know I'm not by myself. We all have been. So this, this second message is one of those messages which perhaps we all have found ourselves asking God this very question. Hear the reading of the text. St. John chapter 11, verses 17 to verse 21, reading from the New Living Translation. St. John chapter 11, 17 through the 21st verse, the New Living Translation. Here is what... God wants us to hear this morning. Verse 17 says, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, in their loss. Verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, listen to this, she went to meet him, but Mary decided to stay in the house. Verse 21 is where the subject is found. Martha said, to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wow. If only you would have showed up, you would have taken the time to just show up, God. Our brother would not have died. A dialogue with God. Lift those hands, everybody. Here is the subject. This second question in this first part of this message. Lift those hands as you look towards heaven and say, God, where were you? That's what we want to talk about today. God, where were you? You may be seated. Presence of the Lord. I have often been asked as a minister, as a pastor, 
what are some of the most difficult things you have to do? One of the most difficult aspects of the job as a pastor, as a minister, many of you are there, even as anyone who consoles someone else, is to trying to find out how you can comfort someone who has experienced the loss of a loved one or the loss of something valuable and significant to them. Perhaps the loss of a job, uh, the loss of one's health, the loss of a mother, a father, a sister, or a brother. And yes, one of the absolutely most difficult things of all is what do you tell a parent who has to bury a child? That's tough. I told you this is real. This is this series. We, we aren't pretending. I, I'm not up here trying to press you about my homiletical and theological background. But I just want to talk to you. Can I talk to you? Listen, I would also suggest that perhaps one of the most difficult things to respond to in the process of trying to console someone who's grieving over such a loss is when they turn to you and they ask you, Daryl, tell me, where was God when I really needed him? Pastor, help me understand. Where was God when I prayed so hard and I turned my plate down? I called his name out in prayer. Quite honestly, I've been there. I have been there. Where was God when you have to stand over your dead child? Smith, and you have to close the casket on a child or a young person in the prime of their life. Where was God when you prayed so hard for a faithful member? I remember praying so hard for Sister Phyllis Williams. I loved her so much, Quanda's mother. And my wife can tell you it was my daily prayer morning, night. God, you've got to do this. You are a healer. Heal her bodies. When she passed, I was angry. I, I couldn't even pray for 24 hours. So I, I just said to God, I don't understand it, how drug pushes living so good. And this godly woman of God lost her life. I don't, I don't understand how Folk that don't even attempt to call on your name. Blessed with longevity. Children of God are dying. And they're suffering. Where were you, God, when this family really needed you? And I'm reminded when I think about this, of the whole grieving process. And God, God reminded me of this as I... As I study this and as I've read, I've read articles and dissertations and books from behavior scientists who talk about grief. Uh, Sister Sal, you know this, that's the ministry that Sal 
does. And so one of the things that, that they said, that I remember reading that stuck with me, that grief is a normal and a natural reaction to a loss. Don't, don't, don't feel bad when you grieve. And I want to help you out because let me tell you what really sickens me is when these fake deep people come with a fake word from God. I just got a word from God. God told me to tell you, drive those tears. You don't need to cry. Hold your head up high. You have no reason to be sad. Yes, I do. I just want somebody. Am I right about it? Don't let everybody speak a word into your life. Some, some folk are agents of the devil. Man. They are sent to discourage you. They, they're nothing but wolves dressed up in sheep clothes. But, but what, what, what behavior experts would tell you is that grief is an emotional thing. It is emotional, not intellectual. Which means that we, we usually grieve with our hearts and not our minds. People try to get intellectual on you when you're grieving. That's not the time to be deep. It's not the time to get all intellectual. It is an emotional experience. Your heart is ripped, torn pieces when, when you've got to go through this and folk come and all of this intellectual gibberish and trying to impress you with how deep they are and, and, and quite honestly all you really need is a hug and all you really need is somebody to tell you I'm here with you but what I love about the Lord is that he's a heart fixer Ooh, anybody know that he's a heart fixer God, God can mend Ooh, the broken heart and so now because grief is an emotional experience, we, we should not be surprised when, when someone becomes emotional as they question God concerning the significance uh, of a loss or, or the, the reason for a loss or a natural disaster or something that has gone wrong in their life. Don't, don't, don't you feel bad? When, when the doctors tell you you have cancer and you know you've been faithful to the Lord and you just stretch your head and say, Lord, if you don't show up, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And perhaps when things do not go your way, you too have to walk down a processional line coming into sanctuary following the casket maybe you found yourself asking the question God where were you particularly when this person was a child of God when this was a believer this is somebody who gave you everything they had Lord why him why her why now can I preach to some real folk can we just keep it real? Look at somebody and say, I've been there. I've been there. Uh, anybody in here, is it just me? Don't y'all make me feel bad. Anybody else in here has been angry with God? I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm just, it's not just me. Has anybody in here ever found yourself to the point where you just didn't even want to talk to God? Lord, you, you, you didn't do it. I wish you would have 
done something different. But then God reminds us in the process of all of that, son, even when you don't understand me, even when you don't even like what I've done, you still got to trust me. You still got to believe me. And you still have to find a way to praise me. Because sometimes our best praise happens in some of the worst places in our life. I told the church Sunday, Friday night, I was at the Bible Way Church on Piedmont Avenue. And God gave me a message. Mother, you were there from the second chapter of the book of Jonah. Second chapter of the book of Jonah found Jonah in the belly of a large fish. Uh, that's the context of the chapter. Jonah was at the deeper, the depths of the ocean in the belly of a large fish. He could have given up and got angry, but Jonah said, I prayed to the Lord. And then I like later on in the text in chapter 2, and Jonah says, and then I offered God a grateful praise in the midst of what I'm going through. Sometimes you got to give God a grateful praise even when things are not going the way you had hoped that they were. Anybody can praise God when things are going right in your life but y'all indulge me for a moment. Is there anybody in here right now that just feel like giving God a grateful praise? I don't understand Lord but I'll still bless you at all times. to praise you. I'm angry at you. I didn't want to lose my daddy. Didn't want to lose mother. Some of you said, but I'll still bless you at all times. So even when I can't trace you, I'll trust you. Even when I don't feel like it, I'll praise you. And when the enemy says you can't praise God now, I said, watch me give God my best praise from the rising of the sun. to the going down of the same. Uh, is there anybody in here ever had to praise your way out of some difficult situations? You ought to encourage somebody sitting next to you and say, you can still praise him. Anybody in here ever had to praise God when you did not know what, has, what God is up to and why things are happening the way they're happening, but you still knew that God was still a good God. You still knew that God was good all the time, and all the time God is good. Come on, somebody, indulge me for just 10 seconds and clap your hands, and from the depths of your belly, give God your best Shabbat praise. If you want to confuse the enemy, you do the opposite of what the enemy thinks you ought to do in your situation. Amen, somebody? That's why when my daddy was dying, he called me by the side of his bed, and he told me, Mother, you were there. He said, Son, I know you're going to miss me, but don't you grieve too much. He says, I need you to get up and still go preach your heart out because God is good, and I'll see you in the morning. How many of you know that God said it ain't over yet? That I wish I had a witness. I wish there was somebody who can trust God in the midst of what you're going through and say, Lord, I still love you. I still believe. 
still believe in you. Can I preach this? One of the deacons texted me this morning. Thank you, Deacon Marlon Walters texted me. It sounded like you were preaching to yourself this morning at 8. I said, sometimes God gives you messages intended for you, but I, I must confess, I, I, I ate it before I preached it, okay? And God said, this is for you also. Look at this text. The 11th chapter of the gospel according to St. John. Uh, in this text, we have such a question as the one I pose as the subject for this message. Uh, a question that was asked of Jesus by his dear friends, Martha and Mary, after the death of their brother, Lazarus. Now, indulge me for a moment. Let me give you some background on the relationship of Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and Jesus. Uh, Matthew Henry, in his dissertation of the text, says perhaps no one was closer to Jesus. The late Dr. J. Vernon McGee, in his commentary, walked through the Bible, uh, says there was not a family anywhere that meant as much to Jesus as this family. Dr. McGee goes on to say that perhaps Jesus was closer to this family than his own family. Remember, at this point in Jesus' ministry, none of his brothers followed his ministry. They came later. Uh, so his, his brother was Lazarus. His sisters were Martha and Mary. They loved him so much. In fact, Jesus lived at their house whenever he was in the area. Bethany, as the text tells us, just a few miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epic center of all religious activities of that day. And so Jesus lived with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Now, uh, one biblical scholar assumes, since most houses weren't that large, that perhaps even Jesus and Lazarus shared a bedroom together. And so they were close, closer, perhaps than blood brothers. And so verse number three tells us something. It says, Martha and Mary sends a message to Jesus that's personal. They send this message to Jesus and says, tell him that our brother Lazarus the New Living Translation says his dearest friend. King James says the one that he loves so much is gravely ill. Our brother is so sick. If you don't get here, he is in all likelihood going to die. Tell Jesus we hate to disturb him. We know that he's busy doing kingdom business but tell him that we really need him here in Bethany. Please tell Jesus to come home. That's the text. Tell him to stop by Bethany. We're told in the text that having received that emotional, personal message 
that Jesus decided not to go and check on his friend Lazarus right away. In fact, he purposely delayed his return to Bethany for a few days. Uh, even the disciples wondered, what's up, Lord? I, I know you love Lazarus so much. They, they thought we were going right away, but, 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 but Jesus tell them, right, not now. In fact, verse 4 of chapter number 11 says, but when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Critics of the erroneous uh, purpose of the gospel would tell you that this is a mistake because Lazarus died. No, no. He said it won't end in death. This sickness, will death will not be the end of this situation. Now it happened, Jesus says, for the glory of God. Look at the end of verse number four. He says, so that the Son of God will receive glory. From this, I stop by to tell somebody that what you're going through, as difficult as what it may be, it is so God can get the glory out of your trouble. Can I preach to somebody? Lean on somebody and say, neighbor, God's going to get some glory over what you're going through. I know you don't understand it now, but there's a purpose in God's delay so that when folks see that you went through what you went through and you haven't lost your joy or lost your mind, that God gets the glory out of this. Y'all help me praise God. Look at somebody and say, God's going to get some glory out of this. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we're lost for answers. But just trust that God will get the glory out of this. Can I get a witness? So the text says, uh, Jesus delayed for a few days. Now, help me use your imagination. Imagine now how Martha and Mary must have felt. They have witnessed because it is believed that they have been a part of Jesus' ministry from the beginning. They have witnessed uh, Jesus perform, at least those that are recorded in the scriptures, to this point, 35 or 36 miracles. Uh, this was the last miracle before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So allow your mind to push the rewind button and go back and help me use your Holy Ghost imagination. Can I preach this? Y'all got to help me preach this because I woke up this morning sick and didn't feel like preaching. But I feel like preaching this. Uh, here is what Martha and Mary saw. They saw Jesus heal ten lepers. 
they saw Jesus touch one leper. Mm, they saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Jesus heal the centurion shop. They saw Jesus <laughs> heal Jairus' daughter. They saw Jesus when the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment and she got healed. Can I preach? They saw Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus by the Jericho road. But yet, when we called you, we have seen you touch so many people, but yet we're your family. We're the ones who feed you. We're the ones who open our house to you. And we send word. Please come heal our brother and you don't show up. I've seen what you can do. We have the faith. We have the faith. We just believe if you showed up, something would happen. But how many of you ever... You, you, just be honest about it. Uh, you have seen Jesus touch so many people before. You hear about other folks' miracles. And here you are, as faithful as you are, you sometimes wonder, what's up with me, Lord? Why haven't you showed up to my house? Why haven't you touched me? But... Jesus knew that something greater would come out of this. Four days later, Jesus arrives in Bethany. Martha leaves the house. Quite honestly, I like Mary because Mary was the emotional one. Mary wasn't even trying to fake it. Mary said, I'm not even going out there to meet him. I'm mad. I'm going to stay right here in the house. But Martha leaves the house, meets Jesus halfway throughout the village, and falls down and say to him, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Look at Martha's faith. Although she was mad, she still had faith. Although she was angry, she still believed in Jesus. If you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Then she said to him, but I know this, that God still hears you. And whatever you ask him, God will grant you. Look at somebody and say, look at that faith. How don't you let your anger uh, make you give away your faith. You've got to have faith, although you get angry. You've got to believe that God is still a healer. And even if he doesn't do it, God is still able. I feel like preaching. Who am I preaching to? The Bible says, Jesus takes note and says to Martha, Martha, 
your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know I've sat at your feet. I know in the last days he's going to get up again. But Jesus said, no, no, Martha. You're talking about a different kind of resurrection. And Martha says to him, I, I, I believe in the resurrection. But Jesus says, but do you believe that I am <laughs> the resurrection can I preach to somebody if you believe in the Lord even though mama is gone sister Jack we still believe we'll see her again if you've got faith in the Lord you're going to see your daughter again if you know that God is who he says he is you're going to see grandmama again anybody know that yes we will somebody stand up and shake your finger in the devil's face and say the devil is a liar I will see them again Martha, I am about to reveal something to you that I've never revealed to anyone else. First revelation in holy uh, scripture in the Gospels. You've heard about the resurrection. But to this point in my ministry, I never told anybody my connection to God. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection. And just so you won't forget it, I am also the life. And anyone who believes, <laughs> touch somebody and say, I still believe. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. <laughs> we don't grieve as those who have no hope. <laughs> we believe that death is not the end. That even after dying, if you are a child of God, if you had a child of God in your life, you'll see them again. Can I get a witness? I need somebody to put a quick praise on that. Say, yes, we will. Everyone who lives, Martha, in me, and believes they may close their eyes the casket may close down on their bodies they may drop them in the ground but if you believe in me you will never die that's why children of God go to sleep amen we don't die amen why because we've got a relationship with God uh, God reminded me 12 years ago, September 27th, 2006, that daddy ain't dead. Dad is just sleeping in the Lord. And so here's the story. Jesus then says, now I'm about to show you something that I have not done to this point. Wait a minute, Pastor Jackson, there have been two other occasions in the gospel where Jesus raises the dead, yes. But one was Jairus' daughter who was dead in a bedroom, still on the bed. The other was the funeral procession. You know the story. On their way to the graveyard, still in the casket, uh, Jesus got him up. But nobody has ever been dead for four days. Uh, in the ground, the body began to deteriorate. That's another miracle all by itself. That he even put the, the, the death process on hold. 
for four days, God told metamorphosis, don't even sit in on this. You, God told that which deteriorates the body, you go somewhere else. Pass over this grave. I don't even need you to begin to sit in because he won't be here long. Can I preach? So, Jesus says, take me to the grave. Show me where they buried him. They take Jesus to the grave. And the Bible says the people are crying. Mary and Martha are crying. The shortest verse in all of the scriptures, John eleven thirty-five, 35, that simply says Jesus wept. <laughs> Amen. Jesus began to cry. And folks said that was standing there says, look at what the critic says. Now, he that healed everybody else, could he not have made a difference in this man's life? But Jesus was about to show up and show off. He goes to the grave, and you know the story, and tell them to roll that stone away, and he stands outside the grave and have a conversation with God and say, Lord, I'm doing this so that they can believe. I already know who I am and what our relationship is, but I, I, I'm calling on you so that they can believe, and he stood outside the grave in the cemetery and got personal and individual with Lazarus and stood up and Jesus could have easily said come out and he would have said come out every dead person would have got out of the grave walked out of the grave but when he gets ready to bless you he'll call you by your name can I preach can I preach should I preach I feel a praise in here. Lean on your neighbor and say, neighbor, he's about to call your name. He's about to call you out of a dead situation, out of a dead relationship. He's about to put your name out. Y'all help me praise him. Anybody need the Lord to call your name? I feel like preaching. I feel a praise in here. Lean on somebody and say, get ready. He's about to resurrect something in your life. He's about to resurrect your joy. Devil thought he had you. He's about to give you back your peace. He's about to do something for you. Nobody, I get ready, get ready. He's about to call somebody name. Bradley! Come out! Uh, Stokes, come out! Show you something. I want y'all to help me demonstrate this. Y'all sit down for a minute. Elder Robert Wilson, I'm going to use you for this analogy. I got to go. But if, but if I was, if I stood right here and I said, brothers, come here. Then, <laughs> now y'all sit down. That means I had some for all y'all. 
But if I stood here and said, Elder Robert Wilson from Santa, come here. When he calls your name, it's not for anybody else but you. Throw your hands up and say, I hear the Lord calling my name. Can I get a witness? Come out! Come out! Lazarus got up. I didn't say no other dead people got up. Lazarus got up. Sometimes even when you get up, you're bound by what was holding you down. My Sunday school students know where we're going. Although he got up, he still had the trappings of a dead person in the grave. The Bible said the grave clothes was holding him down. So the next words out of Jesus' mouth, ha <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The next words out of Jesus' mouth was loose him, unwrap him, and let him go. I got a message for every demon in your life. The Lord said, loose him. Cross the aisles and touch somebody. And say, God says, loose. Y'all help me, praise God. Go touch two people and say, God says, loose, loose, turn them loose, turn them loose. Y'all excuse me. I feel like praising God. If you knew my story, somebody ought to give God your best praise. Come on and clap those hands. Get ready. Look at somebody say, get ready. He's about to call your name. Get ready. He's about to call your name. Get your miracle. Get your healing. Get your financial breakthrough. Oh, y'all excuse me. Meet me at this altar and put a praise on it.
God told me to tell somebody, the devil man had you for four days. The devil man had you for four weeks. The devil man had you for four years. But look at your neighbors and God is getting ready to call your name and call you out of this. Get up! Come out! says his body has begun to decay but what Martha didn't know uh, Jesus put that on hold <laughs> folk look at you and wonder why you haven't lost your mind tell him I, I, Jesus put a stop to that and, amen the devil thought he should have had you but the Lord said not this one not this one so here's the question question for us is do you believe at the end of what he said to Martha said to Martha he said that I am the resurrection and the life anyone who believes in me will live even after dying then he says everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die then he turned to her and says Martha do you believe question to you today is do you believe even when you don't understand do you believe do you believe that God will do just what he said Reverend Milton Brunson says I'm standing on the promises of Jesus and I believe he will do just what he said. This is important. Look at someone and say, no more doubts or disbeliefs causing my faith to decrease. I'll take him at his word. I'll trust and never doubt. I'll stand upon his promises. Listen to this. For in the time Listen, for in the time of trouble, here's the part. I want you to grab somebody by the hand and say, he will bring me out. <laughs> Lord, I believe. Lift those hands and say, Lord, I believe that all things are possible. Lord, 
the only one who had perhaps sometimes in your life felt that God has let you down. You're not the only one whose heart has been broken because your specific prayer was not granted. 
But this I know that if God did not do it, there was a reason for it. And I concluded in my prayer life, even after the death of those that I prayed so hard for, my dear sister Phyllis Williamson, God just reminded me, Kwanda and others, God said, I'm going to do more for her family in her death than I did in her life. Because they're going to see and remember the words of mom. We don't always understand. Trust me, I, I would love to stand here today and have my father stand by my side. But he's not. But here's what I told God. I says, even in my grief, I still believe you. The three young men known as the Hebrew boys said, and the God we serve is able to deliver us from that burning fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't do it, we still believe that God is able. How many of you still believe in God? Don't you let the devil steal your praise. Come on, tell him once again, Lord, I believe. Come on, come on, Lord. Worshippers, wave those hands in the air. Tell them, Lord, I, Lord, I, I believe. Lord, I, Lord, I This is for you. You know I love Frank so much. He was my big brother, cousin. Pray so hard for him. Amen. Pray for you now. He's not here. God reminded me, it's not over. God said, because you believe, you will see him again. And when the dead in Christ shall rise first, we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him to meet him in the air. If you really love mama and daddy, grandmother, grandmother, son or daughter, husband or wife, you'll live your life so that you can see them again. See, we think this world is it. And God said, this world has never been the destination. It has always been the journey. The destination is where we end up. The journey is what we go through. And God says, when that day of destination comes, we shall see them. We shall see them again. 
close those eyes. I'm praying for everyone in here whose heart has ever been broken. I am praying for everyone in here who has ever wondered, God, where were you? Where are you? And here's what I want you to know. You need a relationship with God. Coming to church is not a relationship with God. A relationship is when you have an intimate knowledge and relationship with God. And after this prayer, that perhaps there's someone in here right now, and I don't know who you are, but God says, I want to invite you to have a relationship with me. And if you're here and God is calling your name, then I want you to just remain standing at this altar. This is not just about church membership, but this is about kingdom citizenship. God is, if you ever want to see mama again, grandmother again, husband, wife, son, or daughter, if you ever want to see grandparents again, you've got to do more than just come to church. My mother prayed two weeks ago. She called the whole family together. All the kids and the grandkids, just, just us. Five children, seven grands. And she says, my prayer is that y'all will live a life so that when I'm dead and gone, I will see you again. And I say, thank you, Lord. That's what, that's what we want. And God wants you to live such a life that you will see them again. Amen, somebody? Close those eyes, Lord. We thank you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, for this message. For even though we may question you, we still trust you. And although your blessings have been delayed, they were not denied. God, we know that you have a purpose for this. You have a purpose for our hurt and our disappointment. And we say thank you. I pray this day for everyone whose heart has ever been torn apart by the loss of a loved one. <laughs> thank you, Lord. You've reminded us in that great getting up morning, <laughs> we shall see them again. Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that I'll see my father again. I believe, Lord, that I'll see Mother English, Mother Lord, Mother Anderson. I believe that I'll see Frank. I'll see Phyllis and Sunel. Lord, I believe. I live my life believing that this is not it. Something better comes after this. So we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Help us not to ever lose our faith, but to always trust in you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and give thanks. And those who know it is so said amen. Amen. Help me say, Lord, I believe.
lift your hands and say, Lord, I believe. Maybe there's somebody that wants to join the ministry. Oh, come on, everybody, lift up your voice and say, Lord, I believe. 